0: The most common reason to leverage an influencer is the relationship that they've built. They've not built those audiences by mistake and they should actually know your target audience better than you.
1: Hello and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps marketers, business leaders and entrepreneurs sell more effectively to the world's most powerful consumer, mums each fortnight we bring you a deep diving interview with a marketing specialist from around the globe who can help you gain insights about this influential consumer let's hear from our host katrina mccarter
2: hello listeners it's katrina mccarter your host in today's episode we speak with natalie giddings managing director of the remarkables group an influencer strategy agency based in australia Today we are exploring how brands can successfully use influencers to grow sales amongst mums. Specifically, we talk about why influencers are effective in connecting with mums. We make the important difference between celebrities and influencers. We cover up the biggest mistakes brands make when they engage influencers. We talk about whether influencers work best on a short or a long-term engagement. We cover off the rise of micro-influencers and talk about the growing concern about fake followers and what brands can do to protect themselves. And finally, we talk about how to measure an influencer's effectiveness. Now, I've seen some incredible results from using influencers. In fact, one of my clients received a month's worth of online orders in less than 48 hours after engaging an influencer. So sit back and enjoy Natalie's insights into developing your brand's influencer strategy. Today on the show, we have a guest who owns and runs Australia's first agency dedicated to providing strategic advice and influencer services to brands. She leads a team of influencer marketing and content specialists, and she works with some of Australia's largest retail, food and lifestyle brands, including Woolworths, Toyota and Westpac. Our guest is Natalie Giddings, Managing Director of the Remarkables Group and Remarkables Pets, based in Australia. Welcome to the show,
0: Natalie. Oh, hi, Katrina. Delighted to be here. Fantastic.
2: Now, we've known each other for a couple of years now, and uh, we've managed to feature on some of the same conferences here in Australia. And I always find there is so much interest and debate around your sessions on influencer marketing. It's an area that I have seen generate some really incredible results for my clients who target mums. Yet I find many brands really struggle with how to use influencer marketing effectively. So today I'm really interested in exploring the opportunity of using an influencer marketing strategy with you. So to kick things off, I'm keen to first speak to you about your organisation, The Remarkables Group, because that's really morphed since it launched back in 2012. So can you tell us a little bit of background about yourself and, and the role The Remarkables Group really plays in helping brands grow?
0: Absolutely. So the Remarkables group were the first talent agency back in 2012 in Australia, so really pioneering that model. Uh, But of course, since 2012, so much has changed in the industry. And towards the end of 2016, the decision was made to pivot the business and resign all of the talent that we were working with uh, and really move into a strategic advice uh, and, you know, implementation help essentially uh, for brands uh, working uh, with, alongside the brands directly. Uh there was, you know, an enormous amount of opportunity, but of course a large number of learnings from, you know, over five hundred campaigns uh, that the Remarkables Group wanted to then leverage. So I was approached uh at that time in order to head up manage and roll out that change given my background in digital marketing and social media marketing and content uh, from a previous role at uh, media brands. I headed up, I was managing director of society there which specialised in those platforms in particular and the Remarkables group was one of our key suppliers um, and influencer marketing was you know one third of the activity that we were running on a a daily basis. So for me it became a, a really interesting opportunity because I could see, you know, I could see on the horizon where the industry was going as a whole, you know, people no longer just rolling out sort of piecemeal once-off programs. They're becoming an embedded part of a a marketing plan. Yeah, so it's it's been an absolute uh, pleasure ever since. And even in, you know, the almost two years since I've been on board, things have change escalated you know there's been some really interesting developments and, and learnings being on this side of the fence now that I've gotten under the bonnet.
2: Fantastic. Uh, listen why do you think influencers are effective in connecting with mums specifically?
0: From... The perspective of mums, look, mummy bloggers as they were once called, or influencers as they're now called, have always been at the forefront of influencer marketing, even back in 2012. Uh, and I don't think that's any surprise. You know, the if you look at things like the Elderman Trust Barometer, you know, they found that a person like yourself, you know, sort of an average person, is far more trusted than, say, you know, the CEO of a business or government official, in fact, you know, people like ourselves, uh, are almost twice as trusted when it comes to their opinion and, you know, that sort of peer influenced media, uh, including social and now influencers is two, you know, of the top three most used sources of news for, for it is for me on a daily basis. And the, you know, the most common reason to leverage an influencer is the relationship that they've built with their audience. I know they talk about them being content Providers or creators there's you know there's definitely a, a move to 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 push you know push in that direction and calling them content creators but they're they're actually much more than that they've got that ultimate partnership really you know with your target audience
2: yeah look I actually see them as really big on that third-party endorsement that brands require as well and I think that they can be great used in that in that fashion as
0: well if you've done your research and you've used the right criteria to identify those influencers, they should actually know your target audience better than you. You know, they've not built those audiences by mistake. Uh, and uh, there's been you know often they've got a 24-hour news cycle in you know maintaining and managing those audiences and interaction you know some of them are getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you know direct messages dms on a daily basis so they're genuinely interconnected with their audience in a way that brands often can't be so it's very powerful much more than influencer marketing it's influence marketing
2: yeah, okay. Okay. When we actually talk then about an influencer, I know that some people seem to think that we're referring to celebrities. Um yet I've uh done a lot of research into Australian mothers. We've we've done a survey of more than 1800 mums and what we saw was that there's a massive difference between uh, celebrities and and influencers. And in fact, celebrities were seen to have the least influence on the buying decisions of mothers here in Australia. And I guess what I was keen to hear from you is what do you see as the key difference between a celebrity and an influencer?
0: Look, it's... It's uh, it's not clearly defined because um, there is some influences that have moved into almost that celebrity sphere scale-wise in Australia, but one really clear distinction is actually always the performance, right? So we know if we go live with... Uh, an an Instagrammer let's just say an Instagrammer whether they're celebrity or influencers if we go live with a uh, I guess you're more traditional celebrity so she I'm saying she because we're talking about mums here but if you know she's uh, uh, received her audience from another major channel you know so maybe a former Miss Universe for Australia or uh, a sports celebrity Right. So they have gotten, they've naturally, they're naturally going to have quite a healthy sized audience because of the overhang and exposure that they've gotten through, I guess, your more traditional channels like a television show or, you know, sports broadcast is huge in Australia. Very popular. But what we see is if you compare, say, that previous Miss Universe to someone like um, a Sophie Kaysha. You know, previously known as the Young Mummy or uh, a Sarah's Day, the engagement rate—so things like comments um, uh, and 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 likes and interaction on the post—can be ten times the amount like 10 times the amount. The, the, the difference is usually the influencer who has spent, you know, maybe three years creating content herself. She'll often be the script writer. She'll be the editor. She'll be, she's often the one holding the camera. Um, she'll be drafting all of the captions and she'll be responding to all of the community. She does the legwork. I guess a more traditional person that is a celebrity in that celebrity bracket, you know, she needs a film crew. She turns up to the shoot and returns home afterwards she wouldn't know how to edit the video herself so she doesn't know how to make the you know the optimum edit on her for her own benefit i'm sure that very skillful and there's other assets and there's other reasons why you would use that type of talent but you know there can be confusion where people thinking you know thinking that they're getting great influencer content but it usually falls very flat
2: Before we continue with the podcast episode, I want to tell you about our podcast sponsor, Cooperate. Cooperate is a powerful marketing technology platform that allows marketers to visualize your brand's customer journey, deliver great content at each stage of that journey, and see how it all performs, all managed from one centralized location cooperate has been built by marketers for marketers i've actually had the opportunity to see the platform in action and i genuinely think it's worth taking a look at if you're a marketer managing large brands which want to attract more mums. now let's head back to the podcast look it's really interesting we found that Australian mothers found it actually quite a turnoff to to see a celebrity endorse yes. a product they felt but it was very much just a, a transactional arrangement and it was something that that pushed them away it probably did more damage to a brand than benefit
0: them yeah absolutely and again just taking something on face value in other words the way that it looks if it's hugely aspirational it can be a real mismatch to actually who's buying your product.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's actually a really good lead into the next question that I wanted to ask you, Natalie. What, what are some of the big mistakes that you see brands making when they're engaging with mum influencers?
0: Uh, with mum influences, look, uh, leading on from previous comment, one of the things that we're paying very close attention to with our data at the moment, uh, is the, you know, from a social listening perspective, in other words, looking at the commentary that's happening on the post, I haven't quite figured out what to call it yet, but uh, there's this reoccurring theme on, Influencers, you know, so your your very traditional influencer, you know, someone who maybe shares on a regular basis behind the scenes what's really happening in her life. You know, that moment where she's overwhelmed because she can't keep on top of her her meetings for her business or her day job versus keeping up after a couple of toddlers who have destroyed the lounge room, and she's got friends coming over that evening, and she's sharing quite blatantly, quite honestly, quite behind, you know, what you would normally see as behind closed door type of experiences, the key difference between what we're seeing on some of her posts that are going live with, you know, that are sponsored by brands is this intention to buy, I don't know if I'm going to call it ITB or intention to purchase. Uh, This... People are genuinely responding to this recommendation of these products that they've trialed and tested and used in their own homes, and their own families, with their own kids. This intention to buy uh, is incredible. So, you know, up to 50% on some of the posts that we've seen in the most recent. So that influence is growing and growing and growing. It's, it can be really easy to, to work with some of the, the bigger traditional celebrity names but, and you'll see comments, lots of emojis, lots of, oh, you're so pretty, oh, I love you, and you're so gorgeous, and oh, you're so cool, you know, that type of commentary but nothing referenced in the product that's mentioned. You know, there's no actual tie and There's nothing strategic about that content, you know. So if you've done the right identification and working with the right influencers, then you should actually start to see an uplift in intention to buy, and it'll be very obvious. It'll be very obvious. Yeah,
2: Okay. Okay, so I know that you've put together a white paper in in recent months around uh, the the biggest mistakes brands make. Could you maybe tell us one of those, one or two of those? Could you share that with with us, and then we can put the um, actual white paper link into the show notes as well for our listeners.
0: Absolutely. Uh, what my top one, uh, my top one, I guess coming from a, a marketing background, is the not optimizing over time, uh, optimizing. It's a terribly, uh, it's such a jargon, piece of jargon, that word. So I'll break it down, but you know, when you've got a plan in place, one of the, the key components of any plan is to make sure that you've got the right KPIs in place. So the right metrics that you're measuring, meaningful metrics that you're measuring. And if you've planned it correctly, you've, uh, you've connected your objective to an outcome, a KPI. Metric, but you know, you are using, you know, particularly in influencer marketing, there's different influencer types, there's different channels, there's different formats, there's a whole heap of different ways to use each of those channels now. And hopefully, you've aligned it with a key message. So, you know, once you've gone live with the program, there needs to be a recalibration, maybe on a quarterly, um, ideally on a six monthly minimum rotation where you will identify what is working the best for your program and dial up what is not what is working and you know really and gut what isn't working and that's what optimization is identifying what is working and what is not working and changing your plan accordingly so that you've got the best use of budget we like to work from a zero budget planning perspective so that means starting afresh every six months and using each of the different components of a plan in its in its best light so optimizing yeah
2: okay are you finding that a lot of brands aren't actually optimizing
0: well you can't if you're thinking about it from a campaign by campaign basis it's very hard to If you're doing, you know, maybe one or two activations a year, it's very hard. If you're doing it a last, you know, it's a last minute tactic that you're throwing in because someone told you it was a great idea, you can't optimize that activity. If no one's actively measuring it regularly and going through and doing the analysis, you won't know what to optimize. So that has been probably the most exciting part of working with brands on six and 12 month programs on a regular basis. As opposed to just you know identifying some talent and um, and hoping and hoping that it'll work, so we're eighteen months down the track in a number of these programs now, and they are they're sharp. There's no wastage. Yeah, and influencers they get on board because they know what what's being responded to, what's really working. They'll feed the, they'll feed those insights back, and uh, so that's the, the the biggest mistake: not optimising. But not everyone's in that position to be able to do that.
2: Yeah. Okay. So looking at that then, do you think that brands should be looking at using an influencer marketing strategy for short-term campaigns or is it more a long-term engagement process?
0: Oh, look, statistically from all of our data, ongoing work with influencers. So in other words, really looking at them as a brand partner, always gets the greatest results you know sometimes you know three or four times better the results wow now, three or four times that's massive if you think about it from a audience perspective uh i'm following her you know the reason why i'm following those influences and this is again from our own third party data research is because it's like following a friend so i'm i'm genuinely invested in her life you know i sophie keisha i know the names of her children <laughs> you know so and if she's very protective of exactly what will go on her channel and what won't go on her channel and what brands she will endorse and there's a lot more no's than there is yeses right so if i trust her as a friend then then a brand that they've taken some time to correctly identify whether she's the right match for us or vice versa then as an audience member I believe that endorsement it becomes that authenticity drives a huge amount of believability Uh, and if it shows up once or twice that product shows up once or twice I'm going to be very skeptical as to whether she genuinely uses it in her life on a day-to-day basis or on a bi-weekly basis if this is something that she really uses I'm I'm, I'm going to be looking for I'm looking to see whether this is something she actually does use on a regular basis. So, from an audience perspective, the believability increases. Incredibly, it doesn't mean you have to be always on. Like, who you don't necessarily, you might not necessarily have budget to be always on with all of your influencers. But definitely start with a small, select group of influencers that you bring on board. That you, they come to your um, business, they meet your team, they help feed you insights as to what's working on their program of their program of content. You know, they become. Uh, it's it's a bit like if I think that I can go onto a website, post a brief. It's a bit like seek, right? I would never, ever expect seek to actually do the interview. <laughs> employ employ the candidates for me. You know, they'll give me might be some a great opportunity to do a you know a short list. But there's an, an the, the the real work starts from identifying those influencers and spending considerable amount of time with them. Yeah, absolutely. Just like an interview to see whether they're uh, the right fit and it's a lot more work um, and that's why I say probably start with a smaller group of great influencers in a brand partnership role as opposed to a PR pitch.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's really, really good advice, Natalie. I appreciate that. Listen, one of the things that I wanted to, I wanted to just change tact a little bit here and I want to say that I've really noticed kind of over the last 12 to 24 months, there's been a real rise in the interest in the use of micro-influencers. I've particularly picked this up in the beauty category, but I'm also seeing the use of micro-influencers really big in overseas markets as well. And I wanted to get your thoughts around how do you define, you know, what what is a micro-influencer and what kind of results are you seeing between the use of micro-influencers versus, versus these kind of more established larger influences and, and is one better than the other?
0: Yeah, good question. Um, look, one is potentially better than the other. Remembering what I said about, I guess the secret to successful influencer marketing strategy is aligning with the right people to, you know, co-create content and really build that esteem in the hearts and minds of their audience for your product. And there's really no shortcuts to that. And if you want to work with micro-influencers, the ability to work with the, the I guess, the, the right volume of them is challenging. And so what tends to happen, what tends to happen is that you'll end up on a website, you'll post a brief and you'll get a number of responses back. Um, but there's no way of being able to successfully do your due diligence on that there's there's definitely platforms that you need to use in order to make sure that there's not a large number of suspicious accounts following that influencer and they haven't been doing any kind of you know bought bots to enhance their engagement and yes you you need to do that and we definitely do our own in-house version of that but about 30 percent of that is software or AI Uh, but about 70 percent of that process is actually throughout that uh, recruitment process interviews. Um, questionnaires uh, uh uh ideation um you know finding out the stories in their life that would could potentially best align with the products uh so there really is no shortcuts but what's happening is that uh with micro-influencers the, the desire to work with as many as possible people are definitely. S- Skipping those steps. Um, so, I don't think that one is better than the other, but the results that you're able to get back can be challenging to be able to do that at scale. So, you know, and there, there'll be certain levels of, um, you know, maybe a, a once off activation that we might do in a 12 month program at a micro um, influencer level. Uh, it does take a lot of man hours and, uh, and a lot of work to get that right. Otherwise, you end up in. Either in dangerous, un, un, you know, unbrand-safe environments, um, like the Australian government got caught out in recently, or you know, there's no, there's that believability that I talked about. You know, one day um, she might be, and I've seen this. This is this is a uh, this is actually this actually happened. So one day she might be Chia the yogurt. The next day she's Sky yogurt, and by Friday she's hashtag So Good Vegan yogurt. And so can you imagine what the audience thinks of that experience? Uh so no nobody uh has checked that and done due diligence on that activity. Uh and unfortunately that has a that has serious ramifications for brands.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess what I'm hearing from you then is approach the micro influencers with some caution because of the level of resource that is going to be required to do your uh, validation on on that particular on those particular
0: influences yeah if they're your customers that's different like if these are people that are genuinely using your products on a day-to-day basis and um they're using you need to have some kind of program active program in place to be able to work with them uh, you know it could be something as simple as they get a, a, a they get the catalogue sooner than everybody else that, you, that we like to build in a community level program, but focusing exclusively on micro-influencers for working with micro-influencers sake is not the right approach.
1: Needing an energetic, dynamic speaker at your next conference or event? Katrina McArthur, your host of Marketing to Mums, the podcast, speaks around the globe on all aspects related to marketing effectively to mums. You can download her speaker kit at katrinamacarta.com or contact her directly on LinkedIn via her profile, Katrina McCarter.
2: One of the things that I'm seeing is a growing concern by brands around these fake followers, and it, and it seems to be that, that that's leading to some reluctance in actually engaging influencers. How can brands actually protect themselves and ensure that they're investing in reputable influencers and, and are there particular steps that you would advise them on, on to, to validate influencers that they're considering working with?
0: Oh, absolutely. Look, we take a six-step approach to the I guess the, we call it mapping. So mapping towards an influencer. And as you move down that funnel, if you think about it in a a funnel, by the time you get to the end, you should have a a really lovely group of influencers. And one of those steps is absolutely verification of audience. And that is usually done by software or, you know, being able to have direct access to all of their analytics, depending on the project. There's tools out there that can do a great job of this. There'll always be a certain portion of suspicious followers because that's just the nature of social media. There's a whole heap of bots out there so but you'll go on a brand um, website and you'll see exactly the same thing the, the way that some of these bots work is that they'll follow a whole heap of random people and if they get a follow back they'll unfollow does that makes sense so the more people they follow it's called follow the followers that's how they drive their own following <laughs> but there's no way you can control being one of the accounts that is followed by those bots i guess brands actually have the same issue as well so there's there'll always be a certain level of what I call suspicious accounts that follow an influencer or a brand's page you know but if you if it's anything over sort of 15% then there's probably an issue or large spikes so the software can pick up on whether there's been large spikes but sometimes that's because something incredibles happened for that particular brand or influencer and there has been a genuine spike so that's why you still need to you know that the software will pick that up you still need to be able to have that conversation and say. Oh we saw that spike in in May. What what was that? And they'll say, "Oh, that's actually when I did the tour, you know, I was doing um a piece of content, you know, a long form video on YouTube every day for a month and it drove all of this engagement." You know, so you do need to have those conversations.
2: Right. Okay. Some good tips there. I am a bit of a data-driven marketer. I like to measure and evaluate, you know, all all the marketing activities I'm engaging in. What is the best way uh, for a brand to measure the effectiveness of influencer marketing?
0: Yeah, great question. Uh, And I know it's a a really lame answer to say it depends. (laughs) It definitely does depend because every channel is quite different. So the way that we would measure the success of a YouTube activation versus Instagram or Instagram stories or Facebook or a blog or an article, they all have different metrics and if you have a specific uh objective in mind for your program then that metric would change so to give you an example uh, perhaps your brand's been around for 20 years perhaps it's always been on the the supermarket shelf Uh, but you know most people won't actually know what if you if you mention your brand name to them they won't actually know what it is that you provide there's no holistic view of what they've got of what What your product does for them in their lives. And so it might be that instead of a pure reach program that you need to do a level of education about the different products that you offer and what you can do in their life. And so things like long form videos of explanations and learnings about the different the differences and the the products when when they're going to make that selection from the supermarket shelf. And so engagement might be an important one for that program as opposed to to reach, so it's not a one size fits all, and it it maps directly back to the objective of your program. That's
2: exactly what I was going to say. I'm sure it maps right back. To you. <laughs>
0: and then it's definitely tied to you know, and that's that's what strategy. That's what strategy is, and uh, again, you know, making sure that you've got metrics that you can measure over time because we want to see an uplift over time and uh, recalibrate the program accordingly. Yeah, great.
2: Now, listen, I know that you have recently returned from speaking at Content Marketing World in the US. Congratulations from the photos I saw. It was a packed out session. I'd love you to share with us some of the latest thinking in influencer marketing, which might uh, apply to brands that are actually targeting mums.
0: Absolutely, D- depth. I guess so. Depth, and what do I mean by that? Uh, there is an increase in various formats, particularly in the US right now, uh, in things like Instagram Live, Facebook Live, uh, YouTube's got its own version of that, uh, and Instagram Stories. So, Instagram recently announced that there's forty no four hundred million Instagram Story users daily. Uh, so it's double the size of Snapchat, and that, what that tells me. Me is that people really want to see what's on the cutting room floor and it's really hard to overproduce that type of content Uh, in other words you know make it high spec and I guess very glamorous and aspirational because it's in real time it's at strange angles it's it bleeps out the connection might not be as strong and so it's a little bit fuzzy and it's often shot in someone's kitchen and and that type of thing so there's there's definitely again a shift towards the more authentic if you look at the numbers the sheer numbers of things like Instagram and Instagram Live. So, you know, it's not just a format change for me, it's a mentality change that brands are going to have to get their their heads around.
2: I completely agree, agree with you on that one, Natalie. That's something that we've seen in our research as well. Mums do want to see what's on the cutting room floor. They want you to be real. And I think that what we're also seeing is that mums aren't as aspirational as a lot of brand marketers think that they are.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's so much that shifts when you have a baby, and your everything that's in your life, you, you reassess. You reassess it from the bottom, you know, from the bottom up, and it, it it's, it's quite phenomenal. You know, I honestly uh, m- mourn and miss the opportunity to have influences that I see now. When I had my when I had my small children, my youngest is 12 now, and I would have loved that level of transparency and encouragement that other people were going through and doing you know do, having to do the types of things that happen when you become a mum that would have been absolutely wonderful and it's the best you know the definitely the best benefit you know with working some of with working with some of the influences that we get to work with on a daily basis
2: yeah listen that's fantastic so depth was one of the key takeaways was there what was there another takeaway that that you might be able to share with us
0: look there is when I say long form, I've got to be careful. So longer edits. Uh, so obviously podcasting, <laughs> you're doing a podcast, which is terrific. Uh, anything on uh, anything on YouTube, given that uh, there's so much time spent on that channel and it actually optimizes towards longer content. So there has to be a plan in place for brands to be able to again, rethink uh, the length of content we spent so long going from 60 seconds to 30 seconds to 15 seconds to six seconds. There there has to be a plan and start to think about influencers as part of that plan to to produce your own content and how you can integrate that program into your own website into your own email marketing database into your own channels I guess again a benefit of working with influencers on an ongoing basis is to be able to have them on the plan to create those key assets that you need to be producing uh, on a regular basis though so, yeah integration and 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 because of the the complexity and how hard it is to be able to produce you know brands find it so hard to produce content at that scale and level of cost-effective way influencers can actually be part of that program Mm,
2: fantastic now listen what's next for the remarkables group
0: there's some really interesting things going, doing a whole heap of training at the moment. Um, there's still only a handful of brands that have a, a dedicated influencer resource in-house. And so, you know, they, they've got a, a few non-specialists trying to run the program. Uh, so we're doing a lot of training, which is really exciting. We're producing a podcast from with an influencer for a brand, which is, again, really exciting. So really moving into that owned space the, a number of the 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 brands uh but 2019 I honestly thought that 2018 was a big year and lots of developments but there's a lot of brands getting in early for their 2019 programs which is um which is really exciting because it's not far away now
2: no, I'm deep in uh, 2019 already. I think by quarter four, no one's sitting in 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 the current year. They're they're thinking about the next year. So sounds like it's a really exciting year coming up for you. Yes. Listen, now, if if people actually wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do so?
0: Well, of course, our website, theremarkablesgroup.com.au. I'm often tweeting about all things influencers. uh, My handle is Natalie Giddings on Twitter and, uh, of course, we are on Instagram, The Remarks Group. Uh, But, yeah, maybe just drop me an email.
2: Fantastic. Well, listen, uh, for everyone who's listening, I will make sure that uh, Natalie's details go into the show notes as well. I can vouch that Natalie is very active on Twitter if you're wanting to get her straight away, it can be a great format as well. So, Natalie, it has been really interesting uh, exploring the use of influencer marketing with you today. I wanted to say thank you for being part of Marketing to Mums, the podcast.
0: Thank you so much, Katrina.
2: Influencer marketing can be incredibly influential in attracting, engaging and converting mums to your brand. I love the deep expertise Natalie has in creating an influencer strategy. She really is considered to be a pioneer in this area in Australia and I highly recommend you download her white paper that will be available via our show notes. Thanks for listening.
1: You've been listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps you drive sales and profit in your organization by developing a deeper understanding of the world's most powerful consumer, Mums. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review and tell us what your key takeaway was or who your favorite guest was and why. If you would like to get the show notes from today's episode or any of the links mentioned, all you need to do is head to marketingtomums.com.au forward slash podcast don't forget to sign up to receive an email to let you know when the next episode is released. Thanks for listening.